My brothers and sisters, today I would like to focus on just a single line from the Lord's Prayer, a line that we pray all the time. And my hope is that we can have just some more insight into its meaning. And that line is, in our lectionary, simply translated as, Father, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, before I, I dig into that line from the Lord's Prayer, which is going to be the main point of the homily, uh, I'll draw our attention to our first reading from Genesis. And uh, we see the infamous cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, infamous for their wickedness. And between the text in Genesis and between some other passages in the Bible, we get a little bit of an idea of what was going on there. First of all, there was a lot of lust and violence going on there. But those two vices were actually connected and rooted in a third vice. And that was really, in a certain sense, the cause of the other two. And that vice was materialism or greed. It says in the prophet Ezekiel that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah had lots of creature comforts. They had a lot of material prosperity and economic prosperity. And that kind of uh, prosperity caused them to be complacent and to be lazy and then to start to turn to these other vices and become lustful and violent and oppressive to the needy and the strangers and the poor. So we see this materialism at root here behind all of the wickedness and the evil of Sodom and Gomorrah. But you know, my brothers and sisters, it's not difficult to look around today and say, you know, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah 4,000 years ago, United States, modern Western civilization today, a lot in common. We've got a lot in common. There's no shortage of behavior that conforms to those vices. Just uh, on the vice of greed, I'm thinking of the other day, I, I listened uh, to the news through audiobooks. So I listened to an article from the New York Times um, about this, all these, uh, there's a, a set of lawsuits that are being directed against various pharmaceutical companies. And in the midst of these lawsuits, it was uncovered that there was a consultative uh, firm that was advising this one pharmaceutical on how to get more patients on higher doses of opioids and study techniques for, quote, keeping patients on opioids longer. And so we see, as we know, our nation is being subjected to this terrible scourge of opioid addiction. And it's been driven, in part at least, by the pharmaceutical companies themselves. And what's behind that but greed? They're not thinking about the common good. They're not thinking about the people who are in compromised states and vulnerable, open to possibly acquiring an addiction, so forth and so on. They're thinking about one thing, and that is the almighty dollar that they want in their pockets. So we see greed in our day. And we see the other vices, and I'm not going to get into all the different vices, but they're very prevalent. So we might think to ourselves, well, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, United States of America, we've got a lot in common. And the question arises in the midst of, really, the evident corruption and, and sin and wickedness that we see in our world, how do we avoid discouragement and pessimism? And, and really, more importantly, more importantly, how do we avoid what I would call the sensorious 
overly critical, self-righteous, kind of pharisaical spirit. How do we avoid that? Because it's pretty easy to kind of look out at all the different sins in, in the world and kind of forget about your own sins. Okay, so it's easy. You know, I think uh, one of the um, uh, dangers of being a news junkie is uh, anger, depression, <laughs> uh, and discouragement. So don't watch too much of the news. But one of the one of the pieces of advice here, and it's good for everybody, no matter what stage of a spiritual journey they're on, if they're just a beginner or if they're a great saint like my Mother Teresa, is don't be a busybody. Don't focus on other people's sins. Actually, pay attention to your own sins. Take care of your own soul. So that, that's really good advice for everybody at all stages of their spiritual walk. But the second piece of advice, and this is really what the homily is going to be based on, is we need to develop eyes to see the kingdom of God. We need to develop eyes, an ability, a sensitivity to see the invisible kingdom of God. And when we're able to do that, when we're able to look at the positive, we start to see something good. We start to see God. And that positive begins to outweigh the negative in our worldview, in our vision. And we won't fall into pessimism and discouragement. And neither will we fall into this sort of overly critical, censorious, um, pharisaical kind of self-righteous attitude, looking at everybody's sins and you know not being uh, mindful of our own. And so the kingdom of God, having eyes for the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? It's the first thing that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. What is it that we're talking about? The kingdom of God, my brothers and sisters, is nothing less than the life, the divine life of the Blessed Trinity dwelling in our hearts. It is God reigning as King in the interior most depths of our very being. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says at the end of our Gospel, okay, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask it of Him? It is God's grace, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, along which come the virtues of faith, hope, and love, and prudence, and justice, and temperance, and fortitude, and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is the life of God and all those good gifts living within us. It's Jesus ruling in our hearts. But it, that's an invisible reality. We can't see it with our eyes. It's a lot easier to see the sins and the bad things and the wickedness in the world. Okay? But that's precisely why we need to develop eyes of faith to see the kingdom of God. Here's a story that I've got to go along with this. There was, this was about a thousand years ago, Middle Ages, okay, in Europe, a monk by the name of Cassianus. He was a good man. He served the Lord his whole life. And in his elder years, he came to the point where he started just to get fed up with the wickedness in the world. There's all these bad things. And he came to church one, one night. He walked into the church and he knelt down before the tabernacle and he said, Lord, I am sick of this wicked world. Just take me right now. Bring me to heaven. Okay? Where there's no more sin and wickedness and unrighteousness. I'm just tired of it. Okay? 
And as soon as he prayed that prayer, he was given a vision. He looked up over the tabernacle where the crucifix was. And from the five wounds of Christ, the statue of Christ, the five wounds began to emanate shafts of light like diamonds. And these shafts of light began to appear as if they were rivers of water flowing forth crystalline streams of living, bright, light-emitting water flowing down over the altar, flowing down through the center aisle of the church and out the door. And it was so bright it lit up the whole church and filled Cassianus with an unspeakable joy. And he couldn't hardly believe what he was seeing. And then suddenly, to his right, he hears a voice. The living waters of grace, which I won for men on the cross by my death. And he turns to his right and he sees the Lord Jesus himself in a vision. And uh, the Lord brings Cassianus up to the bell tower of the church so that he's got a good view of the city. And he looks over to the city and he sees this river of crystalline, sparkling, light emanating water flowing out through the streets and going into all the different houses in the city. And he's able to see all the people in the city. And many of them did not partake of the river of grace. But many did. Many did. Many got down on their knees in a posture of humility and drank from this river of grace. And as soon as they drank of this river of grace, their souls from within became illumined and bright and began to shine like stars in the darkness, like stars in a dark firmament. And then the Lord brought Cassianus up, like in an ascension, so to speak. It brought him all the way up into heaven. Brought him before the gates, the closed gates of heaven. And they were as if it were like in a, on a balcony. And they looked down with a God's eye point of view. With God's own perspective. And in a single glance, Cassianus was able to see all the cities and all the human places of human habitation all throughout the world. In one glance, he could see it all. And he saw an innumerable number of souls illumined with this grace. They shone like stars in the night. And the light was stronger than the darkness of sin. And unfortunately, some er in some areas, you know, the, the lights would go out. But as soon as some lights were extinguished, there would be a whole other section of lights that would go on. And there were some areas that had a higher density of light than others. But overall, the whole world was full of these shining souls, full of God's grace. And the Lord Jesus said to him, Cassianus, this is the kingdom of God. And I give you a choice. Do you want to leave earth and go to heaven where there's no sin? Or do you want to go back? I'll give you seven more years to labor and to pray for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the kingdom of light 
in the darkness of the world. What do you choose? And he said, Lord, I want to go back. So Cassianus went back to earth. And from that point on, for the next seven years until his death, he lived for the salvation of souls. He lived and he labored and he prayed and he worked so that others might be full of God's grace, that others might become those shining stars in the darkness to their own salvation and to God's glory. And he loved the Lord's Prayer. And every time he prayed that prayer, he paused at the words, Thy kingdom come. And he was so taken by those words, he could pray them over and over again. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. He could sit there for hours, literally, and just repeat those words because he knew what they meant. And when he died, on his lips, the last thing that he said was, Thy kingdom come. My brothers and sisters, what's the application for us? We need to live by the spirit of faith. We need to see the kingdom of God. This kingdom of light in the midst of the darkness. It's not that Cassianus became blind to all the sin in the world. He still saw it, but he saw in addition to it God's grace active in the lives of human beings. We need to always stay positive and optimistic and have the eyes to see the workings of God in the world, that he's still in control. His kingdom really is here on earth. Pope Francis says in a recent writing of his Gaudete and Exaltate, a recent writing, he says, Nor can we claim to say where God is not, because God is mysteriously present in the life of every person in a way that he himself chooses. And we cannot exclude this by our presumed certainties. Even when, when someone's life appears completely wrecked, even when we see it devastated by vices or addictions, God is present there. If we let ourselves be guided by the Spirit rather than our own perceptions, we can and must try to find the Lord in every human life. Now, this does not mean that every human being is a shining star filled with God's grace. But what it means is that the Lord's grace is active in every single person's life, leading them, so for the purpose of leading them to become that shining star. And my brothers and sisters, how important is it for us to be a shining star, for us to make sure that we are in a state of grace? You know, God spared or no, he said he would spare Sodom if he could find ten souls full of grace. Ten righteous souls. Okay, so what's the portion? Sodom had about maybe 2,000 to 3,000 people. That means for every soul that's full of grace, God restrains negative temporal consequences, brings blessings to 200 to 300 persons. 200 to 300 persons for every one person that's in a state of grace. How important it is for us to be in a state of grace. For ourselves, first and foremost, but also for the good of the world. Never underestimate how important it is to remain in God's grace. To be that shining star. And it is that grace in our prayer, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that keeps the world intact. That keeps the darkness at bay. That brings God's mercy into the world. So, let us pray with great understanding and faith. Father, 
your kingdom come. 